0: Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone's having an excellent start to the World Series, especially those of you who are in Las Vegas, grinding the tourneys or the cash games. I know I haven't had the results I wanted so far, but the summer is young. There is still plenty of time to make some money. A reminder to sign up to beta test the Software y subscription site if you have not. Uh, send an email to applications at solve That info is also in the show notes, if you forget, after the episode. I was just working on the first part of a series on how to study earlier today. I'm super excited for that to come online. That's looking to happen about July 1st, I would guess, but it could be a little sooner. It could also be a little later. Uh, Either way, very worth signing up. Also, check out the new software why vlog highlighting the World Series. Uh, It's called Results May Vary, and I'll link to episode 1 in the show notes. Uh, I'm not in episode one, but I'll appear in episodes very shortly uh, and throughout the summer. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode.
1: Hello, Nick. Hello, Jack. Hey, guys. I'm back here with Nick. We're still talking about this session at Kansas City on Nick's drive from Cincinnati to Las Vegas. We are, I think, playing around 4 a.m. Nick is running like God. The table is really deep. Uh, It's a 1-3 game, but... Stacks are like 200 big blinds minimum, and the race sizes are pretty big. Like, I think Nick has sort of set the trend at opening to 25 or so, and yeah. Nick is making it even bigger over limps. So, Nick, why don't you set up this specific hand for us?
2: All right, so this is earlier in the night when the villain in the last hand was still at the other the other table. They hadn't consolidated all the players in the room yet, so... This was, like, the original lineup of the table I first sat at, and I, I was very excited to sit at this table before I even got there, and I was even more excited when I got there. So this, this hand is against one of the spewiest players at the table at this time, the, actually the second spewiest, and this is, like, evident by the fact that there is one hand I played against him and the – in a multiway pot against him and the spewiest guy at the table. And so there was the spewist guy limped. I raise big. This guy flats. The other guy flats. The flop is like king eight three rainbow. The first guy checks, and I like bet a standard sizing. I have ace queen here, and the the, ne- the guy next to act just like bombs it. Like raises to like two fifty. This is the gonna be the villain in this hand. And the other spewy guy, as I expected, he calls. I have to fold. And they turn over, respectively, pocket sevens and pocket fives. So I'm just, like, dealing with a great scenario. Like, if I ever have, like, any decent hand ever, and they make, like, some kind of giant raise, I can almost always profitably call. Um, What was the flop again? The flop flop? in that hand was was king-eight-three. So like super fav- rainbow, so super super favorable for me. So it, like does, doesn't make sense when he raises there unless he has like a set, and then he just had sevens,
1: <laughs> and then he got called by fives. So he was. Just and like, he got hey, called hey. by fives. Yeah, he just had the best hand, man.
2: Yeah, he knew. Wow,
1: crazy. So, All right, exciting.
2: Yeah. So anyway, so the villain, just to describe him beyond his play, he's like a pretty tall white dude with some scruff on his face. He looks like he's in his early 40s. He's, like, a really nice guy. He's, like, been talking to me a bit. He's, like, drinking a couple beers with his buddy who's next to him at the table. And they've, like, obviously been noticing that I've been running super hot and, like, saying, like, oh, my God, like, you know, how are you this good at poker? Like, all this, like, you know, kind of flattering stuff, which, like, you know, I appreciate it because my <laughs> ego's pretty weak. So, <laughs> anyway, he's... You know, he's, like, definitely someone I want to play against, and, like, he probably is okay with giving some money to me because we've been friendly with each other. So, in this hand... Let's see. Oh, one other thing about him. He really, really likes button straddling. He's been button straddling every time he has the button. And when... People have been straddling. I've been raising to... At this point, I had been raising to 20. As my default sizing, I hadn't quite moved up to 25. And so when they button straddled, I was then raising to 30, which I think is fine.
1: Yeah, I like that you're not... This is not a dynamic where I think it's worth doubling your race size. I think there's a case no. for not even changing it. But yeah, I think 30 sounds very good.
2: Yeah. So when there's a button straddle on, they do it like not like they do at like some places in Vegas. They just start with the small blind. Right. So it folds around to me. I think there might be one limp in early position. It doesn't really come into play, except that I raise slightly bigger. So one woman limps, and everyone else folds around to me. I make it 35 with queen jack of diamonds. And the spewy player who is on the button straddle, he has a tendency to, when it's limp to him and he's done the button straddle, he likes to raise it. This is like kind of a typical like fishy strategy. Like when it's limp to you on the straddle, you like to raise it kind of big. And then if someone like, you know, you recognize is like taking advantage of the extra money, like you, you, you like to raise them or 3-bet them when they're raising. So he's been doing, like, a lot of raising and 3-betting while he's the button straddle. And I, I've taken some note of this. So he... I So I don't think that... Com- that combined with the fact that he's quite spewy, I don't think that his range is, like, particularly tight when he 3-bets here. And that's what he does. He 3-bets to 75. And... Limper folds, and we. I don't think we need to do anything here except flat.
1: Yeah, I would say that Like, I think you have a case for limp raising here. If you think your opponent's going to be raising a lot, I think this is a hand that like plays better with initiative. I mean, most hands play better with initiative, but if you think that aggression is coming very often, this is a hand that I think like its value is maximized even more so by having the initiative. And I would okay. just be Limp a lot of my range, like, if this player is taking on... Or if he's having a strategy like that.
2: Yeah, anyway. I hadn't really... I didn't really even think of that. That's, like, that is a good idea, though.
1: Yeah, it's something to consider. Yeah.
2: So, I think... Well, first of all, stacks are... we're, like, 900 effective here. I think I'm also... I'm, like, somehow getting... I'm somehow getting these pre preflop sizings wrong. Um, because I remember... I think for some reason in this specific instance, maybe I hadn't decided to raise the straddle as big as I did later in the session. Because I remember his three bet being to fifty five. And I realize that doesn't make any sense if I make it thirty or thirty five. So I think somehow I just I like twenty five? Yeah, I think I'm wrong. I think I made it twenty or twenty five. Okay when i raise and he makes it 55 i'm like pretty certain he made it 55 anyway so
1: he so for sure made a small 3 bet and yes very small you so you guys are heads up to the pot with like 120 ish yeah in the middle okay yeah and what what are the effective stacks again
2: about 900 so 300 bigs
1: okay sick
2: so the flop is king of clubs 10 of clubs King of Diamonds.
1: Hmm.
2: So, we're out of position. What are you doing when you see this?
1: So, I think, like, check-raising is actually pretty nice here. And mm-hmm. I'll explain why. I think, like, against a better player, I wouldn't like check-raising here very often. We're at somewhat of a range disadvantage. And like I just think our opponents, like, play back at us a little bit more if they're better. But I think part of the issue with this hand is that we have some, like, reverse implied odds situations. Yep. Like, our opponent has ace kings, king tens, maybe king nines, aces. And so, like, if we play our draw more passively, I think we run into a good amount of situations where we, like, hit our hand and go broke. And so I'd rather just take advantage of the fact that this player is pre-betting too wide and that we have some equity to improve and just try and get our folds now on the flop and understand that like when we get called, we're very often up against a king and we should just basically shift to trying to hit our hand and like probably just folding a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I think just check raising gives us enough clarity to move forward the best that we can. Uh, I expect our opponent to bet a lot on this board. And yeah, I think we can just get a lot of hands to fold, which is to our benefit out of position.
2: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That was, that was actually my plan. Like, even though like this would typically be considered a pretty favorable board for his range. I just think like, yeah, he he just has a lot of nonsense. He definitely like has C bet a lot when he's raised preflop, flop uh, So I think like we can just expect to see bet here and, Especially with, like, the backdoor straight flush draws, like, I think the check raises, like, even better here.
1: What's important about this board is that you have the boats. So it's not like yep. you're at a big nut range disadvantage, just like not having a king kind Or of kings,
2: but that's it.
1: Well, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about him having kings. Like, <laughs> it's not like, if you have a king, he doesn't have kings. So it's not like he can just be like, well, I'm going right. to have kings. <laughs> right. Yeah. So
2: yeah. So I checked with the intention of check raising, but interestingly, uh, unlike his play in previous hands I've seen, he checks back.
1: Okay, this is good. I think. I mean, sometimes so, he just has a pot, but like. Yeah. Uh, okay.
2: I think so. When he checks back, my here's here are my thoughts about it. So I think I think actually he has. Like, not just, like, the nutted kings. I think he has a lot of just uh, bear kings. Oh, really? That he's just, like, feels like this hand is so good and he'll never see it coming if I check. Even though he c-bets, like, every board and he just decides to check here against, you know, me, who's, like, fairly aggro.
0: Yeah,
1: if you have that aggro of an image, I could see this more so. You know, I think, like... Just assuming that he has like a lot of kings here is dangerous. Yeah. But I also think like overplaying your hand, thinking you could never have a king, is much more dangerous. So I think your read is reasonable and I still think like practically our course of action on Future Street is just gonna look somewhat similar, regardless. Yeah, I think we still just win the pot enough to bet the turn most of the time. And I wouldn't double barrel as a bluff against this guy. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, let's do it. Let's go.
2: Cool. So we go to the turn, pot's the same, and the turn is the ace of hearts. So we do it.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Way to go. Well done.
2: <laughs> Always fun. Okay. I think so this I think this is actually like an interesting decision point in the hand. Because I think you can make a case for both checking and leading here. Because obviously the ace is going to be great for his range. Like, he's going to bet this card as a bluff a lot anyway. And so if he has nothing, like, we might get more value from it just by checking and letting him bet. But I also think, like, if he does have a hand like ace queen or like king queen king jack king nine king eight i don't know how low of suited kings he's three betting but any hands like that then i think we're actually just gonna miss value and run into tough spots most like more often than we need to if we check on the turn i don't know what do you think
1: yeah i would check raise To me, this seems like a pretty clear spot to check-raise. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: I just thought that... I I thought that was just, like... An overplay? That was a mistake just because of how many... You know, how many boats he now can possibly
1: have. At this point, after he checks the flop and we just, like, smash the turn... Yeah. It just... I don't see the path to us not losing everything versus a boat. If we check-call... If we check-call twice then maybe like we save money against a boat, for sure. But I think we also, especially with your read, that he's like checking back a good amount of kings, I think we miss some value.
2: By not check-raising? Yeah. That's kind of why I wanted to bring up this hand, because I actually choose what might be considered a more unconventional line, but accomplishes kind of a, a similar thing with I'm I'm just interested to see what you think at the end of this hand after you see my complete line.
1: Okay, we can we can do it that way. Just give me the rest of the hand as it plays out.
2: Okay. So I lead here for 65. He flats. Then the river is an offsuit 6. And given that So he has, like, whatever, like 800-something behind at this point. Effective, I believe. And I decide here to make, like, a 1.5x pot overbet. With the intention of, like, if he jams, I think we can just fold. Because I just don't think he's ever jamming a naked king here. But I think what it does do is it makes me look extremely bluffy. It makes him feel, I think in some ways, more obligated to just put in way too much money with a naked king. And it also gives us the option of if we then face aggression after the overbet, we can pretty comfortably say like, this is mostly a boat and we don't have to take this spot
1: so once you once you get to the river this way i think overbetting is a fine option i think check mm-hmm. raising is also okay too i don't think an ace is super likely to call this overbet but i also don't think an ace is very likely to bet so i think we basically are just targeting kings here and i think the option to bet fold Which I agree is, you know, it's a little nitty, but I think it's probably pretty good. Especially when we overbet. Yeah, I think the option to bet fold is useful. I think check raising or check jamming is also pretty nice. Because I think a lot of kings do bet here and then don't fold. And so you're just kind of like comparing the amount of kings he has that are a boat to kings that aren't a boat. And I think there should be plenty of kings without a boat that aren't a boat, especially like when he checks back the flop and then just flats your lead. I think some of the boats raise and I think fewer kings raise in this instance. So my my hunch is that check jam is going to be more profitable. We also like never get bluffed when we check jam. And like if we bet fold, we occasionally could get bluffed. Or like Queen Jack might play this way and we fold to like hand we chop against. So right. I think it's not without risk, like the overbet full line. The thing yeah. is, I would rather check call or check raise the turn Okay, than lead. Because so I think okay. when we lead and face a raise, life's weird. When we lead and get called... We're still in this situation where it's like, okay, I'm not sure he doesn't have a boat. But I think the nice thing about checking is that you induce a lot of bluffs. And you induce some bluffs from like the range that he has that like didn't bluff the flop. And I think aces bet a lot. And if you check call and wait for like a, a favorable turn card, because like part of the issue with check raising... I think check raising is pretty good. But part of the issue with yep. check raising is like... When the river is an ace or a 10 or a king uh, or a queen queen or a jack, jack. it's like a little, yeah, it's a little ugly. Yeah. So I think check call check raise is pretty good because I think kings are very likely to bet twice. Mm -hmm. You limit your downside on those bad runouts. When you lead, I think I prefer check raise the turn. If you're going to lead though, I would use a larger sizing since, uh, you're representing a pretty strong hand. So I don't think you do yourselves any favor by like having a smaller bet size. Cause it's not like your opponent's going to think like, Oh, well he's betting 65. So maybe he just has like a 10.
0: Like, right.
1: Or I don't, even. Yeah. I just, I, don't wanna, I just didn't want
2: to, I just didn't want to, I wanted to, I mean, my plan was to overbet the river. And if I made it too big, then the overbet would not really be that significant. And if we did make it significant, then we'd just be pot committed no matter what.
1: Yeah. But I don't think being pot committed is like really a thing or also the worst thing in the world here.
2: I agree. It just sucks to get jammed on. It's just like never a bluff.
1: Yeah. I think the line I like best is check call, check raise, check jam. So, like, check call, check jam. Okay. And I think it mitigates your downside on the bad runouts. You still get stacks in versus a king most of the time. So, when your opponent opponent checks back a king, it's normally not to, like, bet and then bet fold. (laughs) Right. King's also a great bluff catcher. Like, I don't think your opponent... Would be like very much in the wrong for playing King Queen or King Jack that way to just like yeah. bet and then bet call.
2: I agree, yeah. Like they probably do it for the wrong reasons, but I, I agree.
1: You also like induce some bluffs, like you induce some double barrel bluffs this way, where like when, when we you ch- lead, you like never get bluffed. Yeah. And well I, I think it's a wash against an ace.
2: Let me just say so one thing so one thing I was concerned about, so some people I, I don't really know I don't really know how to explain this. I don't know if there's like a term for this or anything. But like I find that like some like spewier players, like they recognize that like raising a bet just looks way stronger. And so when they take bluff lines, they're more likely to try and like do it by pulling initiative away from you rather than by taking initiative their, themselves. Does that make sense? So like, I it, think he's less likely to double barrel bluff starting on the turn here without like me starting aggression.
1: Yeah. I just, I just, I just, that doesn't like register as likely to me. That's fair. Mm hmm. I think most players, like... When you bet here, it's just, like, so easy if you would have a king or, like, a big hand. It's just... I don't think your opponent's like, oh, I just want to, like, bluff this guy. Yeah, uh, I
2: guess I'm just really basing it off of, like, the that like one, the one hand I talked about at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, I think that was more just... That was... This is just like a, a very different off. situation. Yeah, it is. Where this is Ace-King-King-10. That was King-7-3. This is a three-bet pot. That was... Right. Just... That was just weird. Yeah. Okay. That was that was a guy who was like, How am I gonna win this hand without raising? And he decided to raise. Yeah. And this is a, this is an instance where it's like when you bet and he's just got like five four off suit. He's just like, Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you check, he's like, All right. <laughs> This guy, never, this guy doesn't have this guy doesn't have shit.
0: <laughs> and then yeah, you call okay, it like, okay, enough.
1: he's got a ten ten jack. He's got ten jack. He's gonna full ten jack. <laughs> so some something I was
2: one thing I was concerned about about checking on the turn is like if he just takes like a turn stab line and then just checks back the river.
1: Right, but like what's the problem with that? Like what's the hand that he does that with that you could have gotten more money from?
2: Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I guess I guess overall checking is just gonna be more profitable. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, when we're comparing all these lines, it's like mostly we're just looking at these different categories of hands like aces, kings, bluffs, and full houses, and we're trying to mostly maximize against kings, aces and bluffs. And if possible minimize against a full house. I think the check call check raise maximizes against aces, bluffs, and kings. And it (laughs) can minimize against the full house, because when it comes, like, a shitty card, we can just fold or call the river. Right. Okay.
2: Well, you've convinced me.
1: But I... I like that you were planning this hand, and that you thought, like, well, I'm going to bet smaller and then overbet. I think, like, having a plan and following through is normally a good sign. I just... With a little bit more time to think about it, I think, like, check call, check raise feels like a, a very good option to me.
2: That, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I was just, I, you know, I just want I was shying away from any kind of check raise line because, just because he has, now, uh, with the ace on the turn, he just has, like, more nutted hands than I do. But I guess, like, I guess the, the other case for my line is just that like if you check call check raise you might you're you're missing out on the opportunity to so you're getting more money from his bluffs but you're missing out on the opportunity to get paid by like hands that he feels like he has to stubbornly call down with like what like just ace ace queen or ace jack
1: yeah, I guess I just don't think those hands are going to call you in the river. Yeah. I mean, I, they could, but you just, you have, like, so many good hands here. It's, you could just have king-ten or tens or queen-jack or... Well, there's no reason you couldn't have ace-king or aces or sloping, you know? Right. Like, if you just got ace-queen, it's like, so, oh, this guy just overbet. Like, well, okay, I guess I fold <laughs> Or you could just have, like, King-Jack, you know? Maybe you wouldn't do that, but, like, he doesn't know that. Right. So, yeah. I I agree that, like, the bet over bet line does have that upside. These hands could get stubborn, for sure. Yeah. I just don't think they get stubborn that often. I think it's more likely you get a slow-played king to put in everything than it is for you to get those hands to put in 400 on the river.
2: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. So my initial instinct was to check was to check the turn just because like it's better for his range and I should let him rep it and then I actively decided against it, but it's I mean it's just good to know that at least my initial instincts were right.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, thank you so much well, for coming thanks. back on the podcast. It's fun to talk about these hands. I'm glad that they both went well. By the way, did we get the results for this hand? Did you get the call?
2: I did get the call. Did he? Did he show you? So he he tanked for like a really long time, and he did not show. He just said he just like complained about having a king and feeling like he had to call. Yeah, which could be true or not. Like he could he could have also gotten stubborn with an ace. But it's, you know, I, I take him as face value. We were being pretty friendly, so I think you're telling the truth.
1: Yeah. Here's something subtle, but that I think is true. I think there's something about people are bad at shifting from value betting to bluff catching. <clears throat> and when you bet the turn and then over at the river, it's like they already like had to be thinking about the fact that you could have a monster on the turn. It's like when you check all the turn and he's got like a king and then he bets the river and you raise, it's like, he thought he was like, he had you, you know, it's like, I check back a king. So he was in that right. mentality of like, I have the best hand. And then when you, and raise, you
2: think that makes people more likely to call off with worse.
1: I think that makes me, I think like the fact that he tank called you with a king when you took this line yeah. shows like how strong of a range you were repping. Right. And I think like that could make you take the conclusion that if you check called and then check raised, he would probably fold to the check raise. But I actually think that players, because he's coming from that mentality of, I'm value betting, I have the best hand, he mm-hmm. is very likely to call the check raise with the king.
2: That's really, really interesting that you say that, actually. I wonder, I, you know, I wonder if I have had that tendency to think that way. I, I, I have to go back and think about it. Well, I, imagine, I, I don't think people take that, that much that. time.
1: It's so like, I yeah. have it. I'm betting. all of a sudden you get raised. It's like, well, I have it. Like, I call.
2: <laughs> well, see, my initial, like, if I was just analyzing that situation, I would think, well, I have it and I just got raised. I, Like, my opinion would be like, like I would be startled about that. Like, it just in analyzing that situation as an outsider, I would think that you would be startled by that. As just a natural reaction. Like, holy shit, well, what does this guy have? Because, like, are people ever, like, bluff-raising there? Like, not at
1: 1-3. Yeah, but are people ever, like, overbet-bluffing the river?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I I think, like, people... I I think people at 1-3 just, like, never see overbets anyway. So, like, it doesn't really even make a difference. Like, they just... It just... To them, it's, like, the same thing as, like...
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Plus, if I bet, like, 200 there, it's the same, it, that's the same as me having bet 400.
1: Similar. Yeah, more similar yeah, than it should be. A, yeah. And, but, yeah, I think, like, this guy's also likely to size up, thinking that he's making up for lost time but after checking back <laughs> the flop. It's this right, interesting, point. just, like, psychology of 1-3 players after they slow play kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just I think that's worth considering. I think it's also like a good lesson to when you're value betting and you get raised on the river, take your time. Yeah. That doesn't mean necessarily fold, but like it's rarely a bluff. So just consider that.
2: Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's awesome information. Thanks.
1: All right. So I know we gave the false start ending, but (laughs) for real, thank you for coming on.
0: And yeah, we'll see you guys next week.